It is Tuesday, March 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. I'm Matt Schaff, and I'm by myself because it's time to talk some IDPs. Jared Small and I hit the offensive movers on the early free agent and trade market on the podcast last week, but the new league year also came with a flurry of defensive moves, and I'd like to talk about some of the impact guys and some of the changes on that side of the ball. So, you know, I had to kick Jared out so that I can do that by myself here and treat it the way that we want to for our IDP leagues. Um, Not going to bother with players such as Darius Slay, Byron Jones, Chris Harris, you know, the the bigger name cornerbacks that haven't tended to matter nearly as much in IDP leagues. Obviously, the deeper the league you play in, the more these guys are in play for you. But players like that, we're not going to touch on for, for now. They're good players, negligible fantasy assets for most of us. They will all be projected when our 2020 IDP rankings come out. So, you know, don't fear there. You will see everybody if you do play in a deep IDP league. Other similar cornerback moves, you know, Trey Waynes comes to mind. But those guys aren't going to have a whole lot of impact for a lot of us who play in IDP fantasy leagues. We're going to focus on linebackers. We'll we'll do the edge guys. We'll do the defensive linemen. We'll do some other DBs who have new homes, as well as what some of these players leave behind them. So, you know, if you're watching on Periscope with me right now, feel free to hit me with a question about any, any of these guys as we go through. I do plan to post this as a podcast later on, though. So if you're listening to it then and you still have questions, feel free to check with me on Twitter there email me with questions. I'll be happy to do more of these in the future. I would love to get some more IDP stuff out here, especially if uh, you guys are asking for more of it. So we'll see. But for now, let's get to the movers. We're going to do this by position just to try to organize it a little bit. And I'm going to start up front where on the D-line, well, actually, he's not a D-lineman anymore now, probably. Robert Quinn left Dallas to sign with Chicago in free agency. Of course, that move to Chicago should turn him into a linebacker for fantasy purposes. Hurts Robert Quinn's value. Uh, He should be in a good spot for production. Uh, The the position switch is significant, though, and it's going to impact how we view him. It's also worth noting that he's been kind of up and down in terms of of stat production throughout his career. He did have an excellent season last year, 11 and a half sacks for the Cowboys. He out-sacked every other teammate by at least six and a half. So Dallas is going to have to figure out what they're going to do without Robert Quinn up front, but Chicago gets a sack guy. We get somebody moving to linebacker 22 quarterback hits last season for Robert Quinn. That was the second most of his career and his most since 2013. It was his first double digit sack season since 2014. So again, Robert Quinn is capable of continuing this production in Chicago and especially on a a good defense and across from Khalil Mack, but we don't want to treat him as a lock to stay in double digit sack territory. He is over 30. He has been up and down. Some of that was due to injuries. Other was due to just performance. But, you know, we'll see what he can give us in this new spot. Um, Leonard Floyd had been in that spot for the Bears. Chicago dumped him right before free agency started. And he went on and signed with the Rams. So he should remain a linebacker, Leonard Floyd, for IDP purposes. And also should remain a weak IDP bet. We'll see if he can turn things around playing for Wade Phillips. I mean, there are worse things for a defensive player than to go play for Wade Phillips. Maybe that helps Leonard Floyd get going in the stat categories, but it's going to be more like a wait and see if that happens as opposed to let's draft him and hope to get the benefit in our lineups. Now, Dante Fowler vacated the spot that had that is now Leonard Floyd's. Dante Fowler had been a bust 
much like Leonard Floyd with the Jacksonville Jaguars before he got traded to the Rams. He broke out last season, though, after, I believe, re-signing on a one-year deal before last season, you know, following the trade the year before. 11 and a half sacks for the Rams last year did Dante Fowler give us. Uh, now he goes from the Rams to Atlanta, where he should switch from linebacker to defensive end eligibility, should be in a spot vacated by Vic Beasley. Um, we'll see if Dante Fowler is ready to continue producing for us. I, I'm not ready to trust that, but if you can get him at a decent price on draft day, you know, it's at least worth giving him a shot because of that change in position eligibility. Fowler did deliver 16 quarterback hits uh, in addition to, not in addition to, but, you know, on top of the 11 and a half sacks. So 11 and a half sacks plus some extra QB hits, give him 16. He also had 16 tackles for loss. That stat more than doubled his previous high. I mean, he's still a young guy, so maybe Dante Fowler is just finally getting it together. It's also, you know, a possibility that he's coming off for what will wind up looking like a career year, and he suffers by leaving Wade Phillips' defenses. So I'm interested in Dante Fowler. I'm not going out of my way to get him in my 2020 drafts, and uh, we'll see kind of where he falls as we do actually get drafting. The Falcons, of course, dumped Vic Beasley right before signing Dante Fowler to his big free agent deal. Vic Beasley went to Tennessee, signed there. He'll be a linebacker in Tennessee. Vic Beasley only hit the open market because he is another one who has been a bust. He had one big sack season for the Falcons. Otherwise, has been mostly a disappointment. He's going to have to show that he's something other than that before he's really worth any attention from us in IDP leagues at this point. In Buffalo, the Bills let Shaq Lawson walk in free agency. They signed Mario Addison. That keeps him at defensive end, so that's good. He's been giving us decent numbers for the Panthers over the past few years. Nine-plus sacks in four straight seasons. Not big tackle numbers, so it's been tough to keep Addison in our lineup. It's been more of a matchup play. But 14 or more quarterback hits in five of the past six seasons. So even before his sack numbers picked up in Carolina, he was showing that there was more pass rushing ability there and likely some more production on the way. So Addison's going to be a, a decent guy in Buffalo. He steps into the, the role that Shaq Lawson leaves. He's probably their best edge rusher. They've got Jerry Hughes still around. Um, and the guy on the other side, whose name who used to play for Washington's name is escaping me now, Trent Murphy, I believe. Um, but Mario Addison should jump right into the rotation and probably be a similar player to what we've come to expect. He should be well coached there, surrounded by decent talent. So expect more of what we've been getting from Mario Addison. Not a, a not an exciting guy, but somebody who can be useful in IDP leagues. Shaq Lawson, meanwhile, moves to Miami. The question will be whether he stays a defensive lineman for fantasy purposes or whether he turns into an outside linebacker. I would guess that he stays a defensive end. Um, for Miami last year, we had Taco Charlton. We had Charles Harris, both keep D-end eligibility for those Dolphins. You know, Charlton moved there during the season, so it's not a, a true read there. But my guess is Lawson keeps D-end eligibility. We'll watch to make sure that happens. If it doesn't, obviously that takes a big hit um, on his fantasy um, value for us. If he stays a defensive end, though, Shaq Lawson got the big money from the Dolphins. They clearly believe that he started to become last year the player that Buffalo thought it was drafting in round one a few years ago. Um, Lawson did start producing late in the season. Over the final six games of the regular season, he played more than half the defensive snaps in each of those games after being a just-under halftime player earlier in the season. Over that six-game span, Lawson 
also had 11 quarterback hits. He had eight tackles for loss. He had four and a half sacks. So was not only playing more, but was producing and showing that he earned that playing time. That's clearly what Miami is buying in signing him. It's going to be worth a shot taking Lawson later in IDP drafts. I don't think that he's going to go particularly early. So I think you'll be able to buy him at a decent price and see if he's ready to continue producing. Also in Miami, Emmanuel Ogba uh, signed as a free agent should be in pretty much the same boat as Lawson as far as positional eligibility goes. Ogba's less interesting. He's been kind of floating around since Cleveland took him out of the lineup. Um, so it, Ogba was productive for a little bit in Kansas City before he got hurt last year. Didn't open last season as a starter for the Chiefs, though. So we got to keep that in mind and how we treat him going forward. So we'll see. Agba's probably going to be more of a waiver wire fodder, and we'll see if he starts delivering numbers. Jarrell Casey signed as a free agent with the Broncos. He's been a solid fantasy defensive lineman for us in Tennessee. You know, lower-level DL2 to higher-level DL3 kind of guy most of the time. Should be a similar level in Denver. He's getting a little bit older. He's not old yet, though. And he's going to be playing under Vic Fangio. So, you know, maybe that helps going from Tennessee to playing for Vic Fangio in Denver. I I would expect similar things from Jarrell Casey, though, as opposed to any particular changes. Also in the AFC West, Carl Nassib signed as a free agent with the Raiders. Kind of a surprising move, I think. But I think it also indicates Oakland doesn't want to overload Max Crosby with playing time. I mean... Crosby was the the breakout guy as a rookie last year and was playing full time. But we got to remember, he's about 255 pounds. That's not big for an NFL defensive end. And the Raiders probably don't want him to be playing 90 plus percent of the snaps every game. Otherwise, he's going to likely wear down playing at that level. So Carl Nassib signing, not necessarily a bad move for Max Crosby. Uh, Clellan Farrell on the other side was their first round pick. Of course, the surprising top five pick for him. He did not deliver the stats in year one and didn't look like the level of pass rusher that Max Crosby was. I I think we'll get more from Farrell, but I'll I'll be curious to see what he does in year two. Overall, I think we're looking at a three man rotation at the, the top of the DN depth chart for the Raiders. And there's room for all those guys to produce decent numbers. Of course, you know, the deeper the IDP league that you play in, the more significant all of those players will be. Um, back to Buffalo and kind of to Buffalo, but Jordan Phillips was a breakout player for the Bills last year. Nine and a half sacks, 16 quarterback hits. He left in free agency to join the Arizona Cardinals. And now we get to see if Jordan Phillips really broke out or again, if he had a career type year um, before last season, he had been putting up much smaller stats over the previous four years Uh, most of that in Miami before uh, arriving in Buffalo. So, you know, we'll see what Jordan Phillips has. Not going out of my way to draft him, uh, especially if the price is high in defensive tackle-specific leagues. You know, we're we're getting deep into the IDP world when we're talking about that. But that's really where Jordan Phillips is going to matter. I think in terms of, like, overall defensive line spots, Jordan Phillips is probably not going to be in drafting range for most of us who are just filling one or two defensive line starter spots with Buffalo. Now that Jordan Phillips is gone, the bills signed Quentin Jefferson from the Seahawks to replace him. Jefferson can play inside, can play outside. So the positional versatility is nice. We'll see exactly what Buffalo's plan is for him. There was a bit of hidden pressure for Quentin Jefferson in his numbers last year, but he was stronger in run defense. Never really uh, delivered more pressure stats. Like we thought he was going to, after he opened the season 
with a big game against the Bengals, just kind of tailed off from there and never really turned any of the hidden pressures back into sacks. So he's going to be a waiver wire guy that we watch to see if he starts producing. The 49ers made the big move, probably the biggest defensive move, by trading DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts last week. DeForest Buckner is really good. He's probably going to produce numbers anywhere he goes. So I don't think his move from San Francisco to Indianapolis changes him as an IDP prospect. He'll still be likely a top 12 defensive lineman when I when my projections come out. Uh, and he should certainly help the Colts defense overall. I'll be curious to see if Indy's adding anything else on the edges. They still have Justin Houston around from last season. Jabal Sheard is a free agent, though. Uh, behind them, Kimoko, Kimoko Ture and Ben Banigou were... They weren't both rookies last year. Van Gogh's a rookie. I believe Ture was from the year before. But both younger guys, we'll see if they're ready for bigger roles, if either one is ready to take over the starting spot opposite Justin Houston. Of course, Sheard missed about half of last year because of injury. Is a free agent. They're still, they could still choose to re-sign him. And there are plenty of other mid-level edge guys on the open market as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts are not done with that spot for now. We'll see how things settle out before we project things going forward. Um, now, will losing DeForest Buckner hurt others in the 49ers front seven? We'll see. I mean, th- this is going to be our first look at what guys like Eric Armstead look like without DeForest Buckner there. I'm not going to significantly downgrade Eric Armstead or D Ford for those, especially because D Ford should be healthier this year than he was last year. But, you know, we'll see. I, I can't say that losing Buckner will definitely not hurt those guys. Armstead, of course, got an extension from the 49ers before he could hit the open market. Coming off his best season so far, both statistically and by pro football focus grades, but he had been building um, to that level, especially if you look at his PFF grades over the past few years. He's been improving both in run defense and pass rushing. So I don't think Eric Armstead is climbing further, like 15-plus sacks, but I think like the 10-12 to 12 sack range is... Some is, is somewhere he can stay, somewhere he can repeat in 2020 and perhaps beyond. So let's let's set our expectations there and see what we get beyond that. The Ravens also made a big trade acquiring Calais Campbell from the Jaguars. Campbell, he keeps producing. So if you look at just the sacks, they fell off last year. He went for 14 and a half and 10 and a half over his previous two seasons in Jacksonville. Last season, Campbell gave us only six and a half sacks. So you might look at that and the advancing age and think that he is slowing down and not producing. But all the other numbers around those sacks stayed the same. And the fact that Baltimore traded for him, you know, before the the, the new, new league year got going this year, you know, right when moves were just starting to happen, tells me that Baltimore still thinks Calais Campbell has plenty left. Because Baltimore makes shrewd moves on both sides of the ball, especially a defense. Um Campbell might be in an even better spot for actually turning that pressure into sacks this season. The, the Ravens have a tremendous secondary that they have put together that can only help the time that the pass rushers have to reach the quarterback. So Calais Campbell should remain in our top 12s as we head into 2020 among fantasy linemen. Let the monitor his playing time to see if that changes significantly in Baltimore. But, you know, unless he drops to like, 50% playing time. I'm not going to worry too much about that aspect. And again, Campbell has remained a productive player through his age 33 season to this point. I, I don't, there's no reason to believe that the cliff is waiting in age 34 season this fall. Uh, franchise tags in Baltimore. 
they're keeping Matt Judon around on the franchise tag. I thought that was interesting because just the season before they let Zadarius Smith leave at the same position and younger than Matt Judon. So obviously they, they like very much what Matt Judon gives them. He sticks around, helps that pass rush. Kansas City tagged Chris Jones, defensive tackle. Shaq Barrett in Tampa Bay got the franchise tag. And the Bucks are also keeping Jason Pierre-Paul. They gave him a new two-year deal to keep him from hitting the open market. So both of those guys remain as pass rushers on that defense. Bud Dupree got the franchise tag in Pittsburgh. We'll see if that ends up being a good move for them. I don't know. He, he has not delivered a whole lot stat-wise until this past season in his contract year. So, you know, we'll see if it was just building up to that point and now he's ready to be Bud Dupree going forward or if it was a career type of thing. The fact that he's a linebacker for fantasy purposes makes him a little bit less interesting in most of our formats. And the last franchise tag guy to talk about here, safety Justin Simmons in Denver. So he sticks around there should be producing at about the same level he has for the past couple of years uh, for the Broncos and for our fantasy teams over to linebacker Joe Schobert signed in free agency with the Jaguars. Going to start in the middle for them. That pushes miles Jack out to the weak side. And that should be a good move for his production because he clearly was not meant for the middle of that defense. He's a fine player and they paid him like a starter not that long ago. So they clearly like him. He should remain a full timer, Miles Jack, in terms of playing time. And I think that he'll be a better stat producer for us on the weak side in Jacksonville, which has been a productive spot for players in the past. And as we saw after Miles Jack went down last year, we got numbers from guys we never heard of at linebacker. So it's a good place to be a linebacker. There should be plenty of tackles for both Joe Schobert and Miles Jack. And Miles Jack, of course, on the weak side, takes over the spot that had been Telvin Smith's until he walked away last year for personal reasons. I have yet to see anything saying that he is on the verge of coming back. If they're playing Miles Jack on the weak side, that tells me the Jaguars aren't expecting Telvin Smith back. We'll see. We'll see if Telvin Smith is in the 2020 picture for now. Joe Schobert, Miles Jack should both be significant fantasy pieces at linebacker for Jacksonville. The Raiders made a big move at linebacker signing Corey Littleton, who has been an all around playmaker for the Rams. You know, they let him walk, but it's not for lack of talents, probably because of valuing the position. Littleton can play in coverage. He can rush the passer as a blitzer. He should have no problem putting up numbers for Oakland, just like he did with the Rams, maybe even with more tackles available. We'll see you know, what his role provides in terms of sack opportunities and the coverage responsibilities. We'll see what the numbers look like there. But obviously, what Corey Littleton has given us the past two seasons, there's no reason to believe that he's going to fall off in maybe a better situation for at least tackle production. That move followed Oakland agreeing to a deal with Nick Kwiatkowski. I always have to stop for a second to think about saying his name because it's not spelled phonetically. But Nick Kwiatkowski... They agreed to a deal the the week before. I was wondering if he was going to be the inside replacement for Tahir Whitehead. He's not. It's Corey Littleton. But I think there's room for both of those guys to be full-time linebackers uh, in Las Vegas. I have to train myself to stop calling them Oakland at this point. So Littleton, a definite full-timer. Kwiatkowski, I would bet he's a full-timer. We'll see about that as we get closer to the season. The Giants signed Blake Martinez to be their new starting linebacker. In the spot where they released Alec Ogletree from uh, just before that, Blake Martinez has been a numbers guy in Green Bay. He should see plenty of numbers for the Giants as well. I want to see how much Ryan Connolly is going to play. Coming off his ACL tear, though, he had turned into a full-time player as a rookie 
next to Ogletree early last season before going down. So we'll see how ready Connolly is for the season, and we'll see whether he is a full-timer next to Martinez. We will then see if there are enough tackles to support both of those guys, because Martinez has undoubtedly benefited from being the lone full-time inside linebacker in Green Bay's defense over the past few years. Now, there might be room for him to keep the tackle numbers in the same range with the Giants, but it's probably going to be a little bit tougher. So expect to see him a little bit farther down my 2020 IDP rankings, maybe like LB 16 to 18 range. And that's, you know, I'm guessing right now because I have not put numbers to these guys yet, but I, I would say don't bet on Blake Martinez staying inside the top 10 where he was the past couple of years with Green Bay. The Packers, meanwhile, before Martinez had even agreed to this deal with the Giants, they reached their own deal with Christian Kirksey. So they're looking for him to step into Blake Martinez's spot. And really, I don't see any reason that Kirksey can't be the similar kind of top 12 level fantasy performer that Blake Martinez was in Green Bay. I mean, he has the skills that we need. He put up the numbers in Cleveland. He Kirksey went over 130 total tackles. Each of his past two full seasons with the Browns gave us a handful of sacks and pass breakups a year. Nothing special, but similar to what Blake Martinez gave us. The big issue with Kirksey has been staying healthy. We're not going to know until the season starts or, you know, unless he gets hurt before the season. But we're probably not going to know until the season starts whether Christian Kirksey can stay healthy. I'm not going to avoid drafting him because I'm scared that he's going to get hurt, though. Because if I get five games of Christian Kirksey and then he goes down... I think I can find a replacement in most leagues at that point. And if I can't, I can draft insurance behind him if it's a deeper league. So not a reason to avoid him. He's stepping into a great spot, and he has delivered numbers to us when he's been healthy. Uh, former teammate Jamie Collins left New England in free agency to sign with Detroit. Big deal there. He's going to be their lead linebacker, clearly, at a, a contract that's averaging $10 million a year. So Jamie Collins will factor prominently into our fantasy plans in 2020 and should be a more reliable fantasy scorer than he was last year. He opened 2019 with big fantasy numbers, but did that on big plays and never brought the tackles up to give us the consistent production that we can count on um, at linebacker more than that big play guy that he was early. So I think he'll be easier to trust in Detroit and, you know, probably a top 16 level uh, linebacker heading into the season. The Patriots also watched Kyle Van Noy leave in free agency. He signed with Miami. Elandon Roberts signed with Miami as well in free agency. I don't think either of those guys is going to be a huge factor, so I'm not going to talk much about them. But they leave things pretty bare, all three of those guys leaving New England at the same time. And I think that that makes Adrian Phillips a guy worth considering um, a, a sneaky signing back in New England, signed a one-year deal for like $3 million. So it's quite possible he's just a reserve that doesn't do anything. But it's also quite possible, I think, that Adrian Phillips is this guy that by November, everybody's like, oh my God, the Patriots did it again. Adrian Phillips is officially a safety, but he also played a lot of linebacker in San Diego, in LA, wherever the Chargers were when he was playing for them. Um, last year, he was the Derwin James replacement at the beginning of the season before Adrian Phillips went down himself. I think now that he's in New England, the Patriots let uh, the Patriots traded away Deron Harmon along with losing all those linebackers. So between safety, which is where Harmon plays, and linebacker, there are lots of snaps available. There's plenty of room for Adrian Phillips to find the playing time wherever he is officially on the field 
probably will have a safety designation, but there's room for him to be a full-time or near full-time player in New England. I will be curious to watch what develops in that defense um, for his fantasy outlook heading toward the season. For the Chargers, Thomas Davis is gone. Uh, They cut him um, earlier, right before free agency. He signed with Washington. We'll see about this whole situation. Ruben Foster is the best bet, it looks like, for a starting spot among Washington inside linebackers at this point. He's under contract through this coming season, 2020, coming off an ACL tear. So, you know, we'll monitor him heading into the season. But Foster should be ready for the season. Should be Washington's best bet for fantasy production among inside linebackers. Thomas Davis joins him in that group, though. John Bostic re-signed. They signed Kevin Pierre-Louis from the Bears. Um, so, and there's still time for Washington to add somebody else in the draft. So, you know, we'll see exactly how the situation looks heading into the season, but those are all the players, you know, in play here competing for stuff in Washington where there are tackles available. Meanwhile, the chargers now, it looks like drew tranquil is probably the current best bet to lead their linebackers in playing time in 2020. Just make sure that you don't get too excited about him before we hear more from the team about it because drew tranquil did have his playing time climb as a rookie but then it fell back down late in the season he finished last season right around a half time playing time guy actually was under 50 percent of the snaps each of the final two games last season so drew tranquil is the current best bet right there but it's been a linebacker core that has given idp owners fits for several years now so There's little reason for us to trust that we can get consistent production from a Chargers linebacker if we can. Right now, it looks like Drew Tranquil. And again, there's plenty of time for more to change, more guys to join that group. So don't get too excited about any Chargers linebacker. A former Chargers linebacker, Jatavis Brown, signed with the Eagles quietly. And, you know, like with Adrian Phillips, maybe he just turns into a backup who's not worth our attention come September. But Jatavis Brown joins an Eagles linebacking core that is very thin at this point. Camu Grugier-Hill is gone. Nigel Bradham is gone. So only Nate Jerry is back so far from last year's group. I think that there are three open jobs and there's going to be competition there this year. I doubt that the Eagles are done adding to that linebacking core, whether that means free agency or the draft. I don't know, but there are jobs up for grabs. Jatavis Brown could not stay in the starting lineup for the Chargers, but when he was in the starting lineup, He gave us fantasy numbers, so I don't care how good a real-life player Jatavis Brown is. If he gets a starting job with Philly, he's going to be cheap fantasy points for us. So I'm going to watch and see what happens with him. Elsewhere, linebacker, the Cardinals signed Devondre Campbell, Devin Kennard on the open market. Obviously, they found a type, and it's anybody whose name starts with Devin or Devon, however you want to pronounce it. Campbell looks like a starter next to Jordan Hicks on the inside for the Cardinals for now. You know, again, maybe they find somebody that they love that they didn't expect to make it to them in the draft and replaces Campbell at that inside spot. But I would bet on Devondre Campbell emerging as an inside starter next to Jordan Hicks. That spot, of course, had Hassan Reddick delivering nice fantasy numbers early last season. And he wasn't even playing well enough to stay in the lineup. He lost the starting job. So again, we don't need him to be good players. We just need him to be in position to make plays and stack up numbers for us, whether they're helping their team or not. So Devondre Campbell broke through as a tackle producer for Atlanta last season. Should be set up for decent tackle production in Arizona if he does emerge as a starter next to Jordan Hicks. And we'll see if Devondre Campbell can be a full-time playing time guy or if it's going to be like it was late last year 
with Joe Walker when we just had guys playing half of the snaps. That's not the kind of guy that we want to depend on. Kennard is a bit sneakier. Um, he lands in a potentially valuable spot on the edge in Arizona across from Chandler Jones. You know, again, in shallower leagues, the fact that Kennard is a linebacker is not going to help his value for us. But in a deeper league, we have seen Marcus Golden produce in that spot across from Chandler Jones with Arizona. It was way back in 2016. But the last time that Marcus Golden played a full season there, 12 and a half sacks, 22 quarterback hits for that team playing opposite Chandler Jones. Again, that was 2016. In the two years after that, Arizona didn't have much at that spot. Last year, Terrell Suggs was solid. Not terrific. He's also getting old, and they dumped him late last season. So they had the opening. They picked up Devon Kennard. 36 and 43 total pressures for Kennard in his two seasons in Detroit. He was officially a linebacker in a 4-3 defense, but he was really primarily an edge defender for that team. So it's the role that he's fit to play. And he could wind up being a sneaky potential 10 sack guy. So like late in the draft, Kennard could be a guy worth taking a shot on and he'll be a matchup type play for us at the very least in 2020. Looks like a starter for the Cardinals. We'll wrap it up with the DBs here. The first one is James Bradbury signing with the Giants. Big money there. He should remain a solid fantasy producer for us. 10 plus pass breakups in each of his four seasons so far. Hasn't been big on the interception front. You know, we'll see if that changes. But Usually, if a guy gives us consistent pass breakups, at some point he has an interception spike. And interceptions are volatile year to year. So there's potential there. I think James Bradbury, the Giants gave him number one cornerback money. So we should certainly count on playing time. We should count on exposures to the top receivers. We should count on targets. He's not that much of a shutdown corner that he keeps other teams from throwing at him. So James Bradbury should be a solid IDP with the Giants, just like he was with the Panthers. Washington traded cornerback Quentin Dunbar to the Seahawks for a fifth-round pick. (laughs) The same thing that they gave up for Kyle Allen, uh, the quarterback now. So I think Quentin Dunbar is going to be a bigger asset for the Seahawks than Kyle Allen will be for anyone going forward. Dunbar has been a fantasy producer for us in limited chances over the past couple years. Since the start of 2018, only nine players have defensed more passes per game than Dunbar has over that span. Now, he only played 18 games over the past two years because of injuries, but if he can stay healthy, he should be well set up to give us numbers in Seattle. I will be looking at Quentin Dunbar as a draft option. He should be able to take over Trey Flowers' spot starting at cornerback opposite Shaq Griffin. Otherwise, I'm not sure why Seattle traded for him. But, you know, we'll watch to make sure that that happens. As long as it does, I think Dunbar is a draftable fantasy asset. Malcolm Jenkins at safety. The Eagles dumped him for salary reasons. He then went and re-signed with the Saints, the team that drafted him way back when. So they have Von Bell on the open market. Doesn't look like he's going to return now. That should set up Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams as the safety duo at the back of that defense. Fine spot for Malcolm Jenkins, who's been a fine IDP for us for years now. I don't see why that should change. Philly will have to see what they do at safety. Um, I don't know if the starter in Malcolm Jenkins' spot is on that roster right now. We'll see. One report said that they are keeping Jalen Mills around to move him to safety. They re-signed him on a one-year deal and plan to move him to safety. I don't know that right now I would count on Jalen Mills emerging this fall as a starting safety. 
but if he does, I mean, interesting for fantasy. I would assume that opponents will attack him uh, and give him chances to make tackles. But, you know, again, we'll see. We'll watch the, the Philly safety situation and see what it means for our fantasy rosters as the season approaches. Finally, the Niners re-signed Jimmy Ward, who has really been all over their secondary in his six seasons. Uh, cornerback, been a safety. The playing time has been all over the place as well. Again, he's been there six years, but he hasn't settled into a position. He hasn't settled into being a starter or a reserve. And there have been changes in coaching staffs over that time as well. That said, Ward did settle in last year. He is a starting safety now. He does also have some slot cover duties. So those are two areas of value that he can give us. Can play box safety, can play slot corner, can deliver numbers in both of those roles. I'm not going to have Jimmy Ward in my top 10 at DB. Uh, I don't know what his production is going to look like yet. Again, his his playing time has been too goofy over his six seasons so far to know what his fantasy outlook should look like. But he has flashed some fantasy production potential at times, and he is playing in valuable spots. So I think Jimmy Ward is a guy that we can get late in IDP drafts and maybe get somebody that sneaks into db1 range by the end of the year obviously usually that depends on some big plays but you know if you can get cheap dbs with upside that's what we want to get at that position thank you for joining me for this idp session you can head over to draftsharks.com now check out the shark bite section for our reactions to all the pertinent moves on both sides of the ball idps offensive guys you can also find 17 free dynasty prospect scouting reports as well as my reports on the edge class and the linebacker class for the upcoming NFL draft. So head over there now. All that stuff I just mentioned is free. You can find us all on Twitter at DraftSharks. You can find me on there at ShoutDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. Thanks.